Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of Embellish Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and any other tangent that I happen to come up with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, geek, casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, you're sure to waste a few minutes listening to what I have to say, and I hope you find it interesting. If you're here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists, and if you can't find me on any platform, you can send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com, and I'll get that taken care of. I also generally live stream the recording of these episodes on YouTube on Wednesday nights around 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find all of my links on Instagram at embellishpod or Twitter with the exact same handle. I have a website, www.embellishpod.com, that is also a place to pick up these links, episode details, and even some one-off tasting notes. Today is December the 20th, and I am recording an episode called Community, Defining Middle America. So for today's pre-show uh, conversation, so for today's pre-show conversation, um, if you've been following the news at all, you'll know that Western Kentucky has a rough week. Uh, it's just, it's been tough. I was supposed to stream on Wednesday, and I uh, just wasn't feeling it. Uh, a lot of things were going on. Um, our, our area was hit pretty heavily. Um, like I said, if you're following the news, if you're following Whiskey Tube, you sort of know what's happening here. But in streamer record, I'm going to try to make up for it. I'll do one tonight uh, and then do another one on Wednesday night. Uh, I had planned to do this episode already, um, but I've, I've got additional things that I can add to it now. Some you know, new features, new thoughts, new ideas, things to kind of uh, tag along with it. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Um, you know, the, the things that have happened, like I said, on, on December the 10th slash 11th, there were a series of tornadoes that ripped through um, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois. Um, just just widespread devastation. I live um, almost smack dab in the middle of two different tornado paths. Um, one was nine miles to the northwest of us. One was about eight miles to the southeast of us. Um, you know, it, it just so happened Friday night was a night where, uh, I was actually having my work Christmas party and we were having a really good time. Um, my wife came over and was like, Hey, um, some stuff's happening. Time to go home. We came home, got our kids hunkered down. Um, luckily the only thing that happened with us is we, we lost power. We lost power for about 36 hours. Nothing too bad. Uh, the temperatures were pretty mild, uh, all things considered being December, um, there's been this joke my entire life living in Kentucky. If you don't like the weather, wait, you know, five minutes and it'll change. But we didn't have anything too cold. We have a wood-burning fireplace. We have the means to to be able to to stay warm. Uh, my parents live across the road. They have a whole house generator, so we had the ability to have access to things. We were incredibly, incredibly fortunate. A lot of people weren't, and we'll talk about some of that later on in the course of this episode. And um, I don't want to get too heavy into that, too deep into that. Um, for a lot of reasons, it's, you know, there's still a lot of things to process through. My wife is an educator in the community of Mayfield, Kentucky. Um, she teaches a, what would be considered an underserved population. She's an ELL teacher. Uh, and so she teaches uh, migrant students, people that are generally uh, first time migrants to the United States, first time, you know, English language speakers. Um, and a lot of these people, a lot of her students, a lot of their families, 
Uh, we're living in the areas that were impacted, and so we're already talking about two or three families living in one household, and now that there's no house left behind for them. Um, there's been a lot of discussion around stuff like that. You know, it's uh, the what happened in, in Mayfield specifically uh, was a generational event, something that's going to define that city for a while. It's resilient. They'll be able to, to kind of grow back. But a lot of the, the populations that are impacted they may leave and may never come back. Uh, if you don't have a home and you don't have a you know a, a job to come back to because there's not power because the city's rebuilding because those things aren't open, you, you find somewhere else to live. Uh, I liken it. I remember um, post Katrina, a lot of the families that were moved out of the Ninth Ward and went to Houston, and some even came to our community. Um, they never went back because there was nothing for them there. They they weren't homeowners. They weren't property owners. Um, they didn't have. I don't know, high-paying jobs that would draw them back into the area, and so they made community where they were. And so you have this exodus of folks uh, that leaves what many might consider to just be, you know, skeletons of houses uh, behind in the Ninth Ward. And I think we're going to see that in this particular community as well. A lot of the homes surrounding the downtown area were rental properties, and so you know, like homeowner, ins homeowners insurance, things that that people are able to collect to be able to sort of rebuild their lives. They don't they don't really apply for a lot of these folks. Um, when you start thinking about FEMA, FEMA offers the opportunity for one or two months rent coverage for people who are renters. Uh, but where are you going to rent? In, in, in a community where a great majority of the rental properties were gone, you're going to go somewhere else. And so there's a lot of recovery that's going to happen there. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about it in this episode, what, what community has done and how um, people are raising funds and helping out. Um, we're at a point now where a lot of the... The people, a lot of people are donating things and they're getting to the point to where they're having to turn away certain types of donations, clothes and, and toys and things along that lines. Uh, they're, they're well stocked up on, but very soon we're going to hit a time where people are trying to rebuild homes. So they're going to need lumber, they're going to need roofing materials, they're going to need nails. And those are not the things that are coming in. Those are not what you would consider to be, you know, sexy donations, but things that people are, you know, super excited about buying. Um, you know, one of the things that I know that is happening is they're they're creating a shopping event to try to create some degree of normalcy for these students, these children that have lost everything. Um, they're having an opportunity for parents to be able to come in and shop for Christmas presents uh, while the kids do some sort of a craft and, and have some sort of an activity. And so they can have somewhat of a normal Christmas, but at the end of the day, they don't have a home to take these Christmas presents back into. They don't have uh, a place to store these things. And so it... It's a little, it's a little odd. It's a little off-putting. And and what I've done a lot of research on this, you know, post post disaster donations drop off after the first month, and and people sort of forget about those things. And you know, federal government or local charities are left to sort of sort out those problems. And so, um, I'll leave some links in the show notes of this. Uh, if you come along after the fact, there's some places that you can donate money. One that I'm specifically partial to, uh, I believe it's uh, givetomayfield.com. That money goes directly to the Resource Center for the Mayfield Independent School Systems. And those were the people that were trapping, tracking the families that were homeless before the, the tornado even happened. And they'll continue tracking the folks that are homeless afterwards. And they'll continue to be able to provide resources, to be able to provide food, clothing, uh, all of the things for people for on a long-term scale because that's been their job forever. Um, you know, 
places like Red Cross and FEMA are supposed to be for a short-term solution to a problem. Um, there's some long-term solutions that need to exist. And so um, if you're thinking about donating, you're thinking about doing things, start thinking about it from that scope. Um, it feels really, uh, it's a selfish thing sometimes giving. It feels really good to be able to give a tangible right now solution to a problem. You can send a present, you can send a jacket, you can send clothes. Um, but those things are being filled by this amalgamation of people in the United States that are really meeting needs, and it's a great thing. But in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, those people are going to have new and unique needs, and we need to make sure that those needs are, are continue to be met. Um, that's you know that's that's sort of one aspect of it. And then being being close to the community, this is uh, folks may take objection to what I'm going to say next, and and if you do, this is probably not the place for you. Um, I try to steer clear of conversations around politics, religion, you know, the taxes. Those are the things you should never talk about in mixed company, right? Politics, religion, and money. I guess not taxes, politics, religion, and money. Um, but I see a ton of posts of people being, you know, grateful, you know, God has spared me, or um, there's this one specific image that, that floats around. It's uh, this, this, this church that is missing its roof. Um, but the commentary is that the Bibles and the, the hymnals inside the pews weren't touched. Uh, what an act of God. And, you know, I'll be pretty straightforward here. I would much rather see those Bibles and hymnals scattered across this country than to see homes of people's uh, homes destroyed, uh, people's lives ruined, or people even dying. You know, we're, we're increasing the count from the candle factory. Like, would you rather see your 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 hymnal and your Bible stay in place in those pews with the roof ripped off of the church? Would you rather see those nine people that died in a candle factory alive? Um, it's it's an asinine commentary. It's an asinine situation. I just you know stop having those conversations because at the end of the day, you can be absolutely be grateful for what you have, but. I've always sort of tried to live by this idea that comparison is the thief of joy. And if you're saying, I feel good because I have X much more than what other person has, and you're saying that they should feel less because they have less, right? And so, you know, God has spared me. Look how bad these other people have it is just really pointing out how bad these other people have it. At the end of the day, just be grateful for what you've got. Um, and, and, you know, when we think about the, the whiskey side of things, you know, we'll, we'll try to take this a little bit more lighthearted for 10 minutes of, of sadness here. Um, if you've got bottles that are unopened, open them because they may not be there tomorrow. Uh, there's a restaurant in Mayfield, Cars Restaurant. They were able to unearth 14 bottles. They've passed those off to an auction that are going to raise money for the community. But... Um, a lot of us collect these these bottles and we don't open them. We don't do the things with them because there's a special purpose for them that may not be there tomorrow. A tornado could have ripped through this house right here in this community that is, you know, nine miles from the epicenter of some significant devastation, and all of these bottles would be gone. No one would ever get a chance to to, to try them. And so, um, if you're a collector, pop the bottle open, share it with share it with somebody, share it with yourself. Try it and, and, and write a review. Do something with it. It doesn't make sense to, to keep them closed anymore. You know, that's the closest thing to a wake-up call that I can give. Uh, 
beyond that, you know, the hits sort of keep on rolling. Uh, my wife uh, has continued to work disaster recovery stuff with her students, with her families. Um, you know, I'm doing my dead level best to try to keep things uh, going here so she doesn't have to think about anything, whether it be come to kids or cooking dinner or doing whatever else. Uh, she can focus all of her efforts on um, her students, the the families that she's served for the last 15 years, and, you know, teaching is a selfless career to begin with, and then teaching in a community that was completely uprooted and devastated. It, it's, it's a new thing. You know, it was already tough to be a teacher in, in COVID times. Being a teacher in COVID times was a significant natural disaster with a population of folks that have a difficulty communicating uh, with people that don't speak their native language. It's, it's, you know, things on top of things. And then more personally, we had a, a situation last week where we had to, you know, we had, we'd, we had to put down a dog, a dog that's been a part of our family for a very long time, had significant value to us. And so that all kind of led into this need to, to, to not record, record, not do the things that I've been doing on social media for some time. Um, you know, it, it's been it's been a tough week. Just the bottom line, it's been a tough week. Um, but we're gonna talk about some good things. Now, I've been wanting to do a series on um, bottles, brands, people that do really positive things with their notoriety, and so that's sort of what today's episode is gonna be about. Is about charitable contributions, things that people are doing to benefit the world in the name of whiskey. And so maybe, you know, the first thing we're going to start with, we'll start with um, start with Bourbon Charity. Bourbon Charity is a, is a group of folks, and even Bourbon Hood. Um, Bourbon Charity is a, is a group of folks that, through some circumstances in the original founder's life, uh, he decided he was going to try to take some of his more collectible bottles and auction them off for... Um, a good cause, uh, create a situation where the bottles that he holds on to, that he makes, that he makes available to to people to be able to 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 buy in a raffle type situation. He wanted to raise some money and found some pretty significant success over it. Um, then it just sort of bloomed into this other thing where, you know, they had to actually kind of, you know, regulate themselves and become a 501c3 and 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 do all the things to become what would be considered a legitimate charity. Um, it's taking these collections and, and doing these things, and they sort of set out this goal. They have a number of online fundraisers, and I've participated in, as, since I've known they've existed, I've tried to participate in every single one that they have. Um, they'll select, you know, five, six charities that they'll split the money evenly amongst, um, try to do five a year. And they want a hundred percent of their online charitable giving to go to the places they're raising money for. And so, you know, most charities have overhead costs. You have employees. You have the cost of running the function, the cost of the five hundred one c three, the the different things that that go into to creating this. You know, if you think, um, I think what is it? Charity Navigator is a website that you can go to and you can discover the charities that you like to donate money to. How much of your money actually goes to them? when it comes to these online raffles um, or giveaways or whatever it is that they phrase them as, 
Uh, they try to make 100% of that money go towards those particular charities. Well, how do they do that? They have this other group that is called Bourbon Hood, and it's a, a passionate group of monthly givers that you know will donate anywhere from, I think the number's five to $500. And um, I was listening to an interview uh, with Chris Blantner, Blattner, who is their CEO, spokesperson, not exactly sure what his role is. Probably should have paid more attention to that. Um, and and they raised the funds to keep the charitable organization moving forward and take care of those organizational or um, structural fees to be able to donate 100% of the, the charitable donations in these online offerings. So you're talking you know, tens of hundreds, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars being raised per year. And I think that it's going to be more than hundreds of thousands. Um, so they, they, that's, that's one of their goals. They want a hundred percent of their public donations from their fundraiser to go directly to charities. Um, they've amended that slightly, uh, because they're doing a hundred percent of their online. They're doing some physical in-person ones. I think one was around a golfing situation. So there's going to be significant cost involved in trying to, to gather, or use a golf course for a members type event. So, you know, they, they kind of reshuffled those, those understandings. And in, um, in two years, they've been able to generate over a million dollars worth of, um, charitable contributions to charities you know, that's $500,000 a year. That's pretty significant. That's the money that went straight to the charities. So if you start looking at overhead costs, that's a different number altogether. And that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. That's a, that's a um, from something that's, that was sort of an individual person's brainchild. Uh, they've grown it into this other thing, and then, like I said, more recently, Chris, Chris Blattner from Urban Bourbonist on Instagram has become their sort of guiding head. Um, you know, kind of creating a career out of uh, charitable giving in the whiskey space. And one thing that I've I've seen recently specifically is that there's a good quantity of people that are ready to just give money in, uh, in, in the, in the whiskey space. Um, I've seen, you know, fundraising for hurricane efforts in New Orleans. I've seen fundraising for individuals that have, um, health concerns. I've seen fundraising for people that are having, um, just different unique problems in their life. Um, somebody in whiskey tube or on whiskey Instagram or wherever else says, Hey, there's a need. And they create a, a situation that encourages people to donate. Uh, I watched a couple of, uh, ladies on, on Instagram raise like $25,000 for need line for, um, tornado relief for the communities in Western Kentucky in just a few days. Um, you know, the, the guys over at key in the lake, um, uh, did some fundraising, if I remember correctly, for the for hurricane relief, and it was like five thousand dollars done in just a couple of days. Um, there's always a group of people that are ready and willing to give money. Maybe that's just a byproduct of being, you know, in um, a hobby that requires you to spend money to begin with. Um, but I think that it speaks more to whiskey drinkers. You know, like uh, these brown spirits are community based for me. You know, uh, you know, vodka is what you get in a, in a in a club when you're going out to dance, it's going to be in some sort of a mixed drink or whatever. Um, whiskey is the type of thing you're going to sit down with friends and you're going to enjoy, you're going to have communication, you're going to have conversations and it lends itself to a charitable cause. It lends itself to a group of people that want to do something good. Uh, I can't tell you how many ideas I've come up with just by sitting down and having a drink with friends, whether they be good or bad. Um, 
but it translates. Uh, it translates pretty deeply, at least for uh, for my thought processes here. So that's um, Bourbon Hood, Bourbon Charity. Both of those are great uh, opportunities for you to give and potentially receive. You know, that's the the other side of it is that, you know, being a member of Bourbon Charity means you've got a chance to win some pretty significant bottles. Um, I've never given with the intent of actually winning anything. I've given because it's good causes. It's it's an opportunity to, to send some money somewhere that I probably would have wasted elsewhere. But you also have a chance of, of winning something. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of those that that exist out there. So... The, the next one we're going to talk about, there's this group called Good Deed Spirits. Um, and, and, and I just very, very recently came across Good Deed Spirits. Good Deed Spirits um, is the creation of a malt whiskey. It's a limited edition offering uh, blended by a group of friends and distillers, and they have a specific mission. And the only reason I came across them is that there's a distillery... Um, not too far from here, called Bard Distillery. And they didn't have anything that was um, well advanced enough to be considered to be a part of the Good Deeds Spirits uh, offering. But they did take the opportunity to go to the distillery that was sort of blending these things together and work on bottling and, and sort of help out in a more um, physical fashion. And the idea is that each one of these good deeds releases will benefit a different cause. Um, and 100% of the proceeds go directly back to whatever the beneficiary is. Um, and the first, the inaugural, the first release is going towards uh, this, this benefit called Step Up, which is a diversity and inclusion initiative that was founded by the American Crafts Spirit Association. Um, only a thousand bottles available. Hundred percent of the revenues will benefit the cost. And that's a that's a significant statement. It doesn't say hundred percent of the profits. It doesn't say a portion of the profits. It says hundred percent of the revenues. Um, the step up is an acronym that stands for Spirits Training Entrepreneurship Program for Underrepresented Professionals. Um, it's a, like I said, it's a diversity, uh, initiative trying to provide certain groups of folks with training, encouragement, and opportunities to enter into craft spirits through, uh, an immersive year long training, training and internship program. Um, you know, the, the ASCSA is kind of put this together and they've reached out to craft distillers and said, Hey, let's make these blends. Let's make something that's unique here. Um, and, and we'll sell these to, to people. And so this, this kind of, you know, this didn't make a, my, you know, Christmas gift list, but if you're looking to ever gift whiskey bottles, these are the type of things that regardless of the quality of what's in here, but I, I can only assume that what's going to be in the bottle is going to be fantastic. I haven't tried this specific one just yet. Um, I'm waiting to try it, but, um, at the end of the day, the proceeds from the bottle go to a really great cause. And so not only do you have a bottle with a story, but you have a bottle with the contents of that are going to be pretty good. They're going to represent a specific group of people and the funds of it are going to call, they're going to a great cause. And so it's an opportunity to spend some money and make a difference. Um, 
and sort of in the same vein, there's this other group that has been involved in, um, they started with a concept of a need for diversity within whiskey, uh, more training, equality, you know, owning restaurants. Um, and you have this group called the Lee Initiative, and they wanted to redefine what it meant to give back to local community um, based on their research. What you know? What was what was going on in hospitality industries? What was going on in restaurants? Just sort of solving problems. Um, they want to identify needs for diversity. They want to uh, create you know small programs, but something that makes a real difference or an impact in the lives of the next generation of restaurant and industry professionals. And they want to help. Um, they they want to help. Hold on a second. Yep. They want to help. Uh, their communities inspire others to get involved. And so the Lee Initiative sort of began out of this idea of a need for need for inclusion. But then there's this like significant event that happens in 2020 that creates a significant need in the hospitality industry as a whole. And so you end up with um, a company like Maker's Mark partnering with the Lee Initiative to create um, this this thing called the community batch and the community batch was um was an opportunity for makers mark to get involved with the group and raise some funds to help out folks that were in service industry type jobs that would not have um any income you know the the quarantining pandemic type shutdowns uh limited some of these service workers' abilities to be able to make money, to be able to do things. And so they put out these community batches, and they put out one last year, and they put out another one this year, and had an opportunity to pick one up. So in the same vein of the Good Deeds single malt, they um, they put out a bottle that you can go out and you can buy, um, and there's, there's a significantly larger quantity of these bottles that are available, um, but, but the funds of it supported initially supported um, trade and hospitality partners around the country, um, people that were working in industries that they just didn't have availability to do anything anymore. And I know we, last week we had a lot of conversation around Maker's Mark specifically, um, but it's hard not to keep talking about them because they, 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 they're doing something positive within communities, and they're trying new and unique things. And so in the, the vein of what we talked about last week, they're doing some unique private selection barrels and some stave inclusions and some different things to create this blend and make a unique uh, product. So the second round of, of these, this bottle uh, for the 2021 version um, uses more than 20 Maker's Mark private selection expressions that were developed by whiskey clubs working collaboration across the, the country. Um, you know, the first year was a maker's pick. This year, it's all these different groups that are sort of kicking in ideas on what they wanted to do. Um, and what that led to is some significant fundraising for the Lee Initiative. And, and, you know, tying that back into where we started in this particular episode, there's this other thing that happened, um, this tornado situation that happened. Uh, what that means is that homes are lost, uh, people's ability, you know, uh, 
one of my wife's coworkers, they just got their power back yesterday. And we're talking about December the 10th slash 11th is when they lost power. So we're nine, 10 days later, you know, how, how do you eat in that time frame? Well, you know, where, where do you get food from? So they initially pledged $15,000 worth of efforts to bring relief meals to those that were affected in different parts of Kentucky, not just in Mayfield, but in Dawson Springs and the Bowling Green area. Um, there's, there's a handful of other communities that were impacted by this in, in Kentucky specifically, what would be deemed possibly one of the most significant tornado events in the state's history and potentially in the nation's history, uh, as far as, uh, strength and duration. But they, and I specifically, you know, was able to see this in action. They sent down a host of food trucks into the area and just started handing out meals to people. Um, it, it's the times when things like that happen, it's when you start seeing people rising to the occasion. Uh, in, in very recent times, we've seen some of the worst of people uh, when, it, when it comes to politics, when it comes to um, things that are happening within our communities, within our nation. We've seen some of the very, very worst of people. But in the last two weeks, we've seen some of the very best in people. We've seen, you know, people just showing up and saying, hey, what can I do? How can I help? And and this is something that the Lee Initiative was able to help with because they had funds, because they had partnered with Maker's Mark to be able to collect money. They had, they had done a number of things. They were able to be here within a handful of hours with meals to just hand out to people that couldn't cook for themselves. They couldn't do anything. They were able to feed first responders who were, you know, actively trying to save lives and didn't have time to figure out where they were going to get any food from because, you know, like, where do you get food during a natural disaster as a first responder who's working? Considering there's no power, there's no restaurants, there's no fast food, there's no gas stations to be able to go and pick up anything to eat at. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of uh, continuing to go on. Um, and then that leads into sort of maybe the last thing that, that I'm going to talk about here is there's this this group called the the Bourbon Crusaders. And so, you know, in, in the, the through line of this particular episode is a community of people doing things to help other folks within the whiskey community specifically. And I, you know, I steal from the community batch. I steal from the idea, but, um, this, this, this whiskey community has risen to the occasion in many different ways to try to lift up individuals in this state, individuals outside of this state and, and try to make them whole at a time when they feel completely empty and broken. So there's this group called the bourbon crusaders and their, their standard focus is on, leveraging their passion for bourbon for a range of charitable purposes, a lot of different things. Um, they have a, a lot of different things that they're trying to do to try to work with industry partners and, and try to create um, some, some charitable giving that will benefit people. Um, in a very short amount of time, the Bourbon Crusader, Crusaders partner with uh, people like Fred Minnick and they create this thing called the Kentucky Bourbon Benefit. And the Kentucky Bourbon Benefit is also sponsored by the KDA, the Kentucky Distillers Association. Uh, and it is an auction. It's a fundraising effort to support recovery and rebuilding efforts from tornadoes uh, in western Kentucky specifically. 
All of the, the, the funds are going directly to the state's official Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund, uh, and that's going to help folks out uh, in, a, in a very long fashion. And I think I read where they've exceeded $1 or $2 million worth of bidded, uh, bid money. Um, and, and like I mentioned very early on, the, this restaurant in Mayfield, Cars Barn, um, they were able to unearth 14 bottles from the rubble of their building and so they said, hey, we'll kick these over. You know, these are Tornado Survivor, survivor bottles. And, it, you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek if you know anything about whiskey people. And they like to buy Tornado Survivor anything. We've got the E.H. Taylor that was a Tornado Survivor um, bottles. And those went for, you know, exorbitant amounts. Um, and so this this restaurant has donated these bottles back to it. And then many of the distilleries that are affiliated with those bottles, whether it be Blue Run or... Angels Envy or you know any group, they're tacking on additional value to it by saying, "Hey, you get this really exclusive experience if you buy that specific bottle." And um, and I went on and 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 bid for a couple of items very very early on in the auction, but was quickly uh, I quickly realized that this is way too rich for my blood. Um, the the funds that are being raised are significant. The bids are significant. The the products are significant. There, there's a lot going on. It reminds me of a, a local liquor store that with their allocated bourbons, they would do a yearly auction where uh, they would take the difference between retail and what you auction bid for a particular bottle and donate it to a charitable organization. Um, you know, it's this this weird thing that happens where um, people that are supposed to be focused uh, pretty significantly on Chari- uh, on 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 financial bottom lines and making more money are focused on charitable giving, um, whether it be you know Maker's Mark, whether it be these bourbon charity groups, whether it be just a, a random group of of um, whiskey tube or whiskey gram folks that are saying, hey, we want to make a difference. Um, I, I don't see that in a lot of other places, and so it's been it's been really encouraging a couple of weeks with a lot of different things that were going on that were. You know, pretty heavy, pretty negative, pretty pretty tough. Um, hey, Cheech, thanks for showing up tonight. Um, it's just been tough. It's been tough to collect my thoughts, and 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 this this particular episode, we're thirty five minutes into it. It's gonna feel a little scattered and disjointed, uh, but the reality is, you know, I'm 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 pretty unscathed from what happened. Uh, we we were close enough. And know that it was going to be serious, but not close enough to be directly impacted. Aside from you know losing power for uh, a day and a half, but the impact to the community is 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 pretty significant. The noise behind what happening happened is is deafening. But the only thing that's kind of rising above the sound of that noise is the community, uh, the community response within the whiskey community, within the nation as a whole. I, I, I don't know how else to address it, but it's, uh, it's a tough thing. This, this, this situation is going to be long-suffering. So like I said, um, probably tomorrow I'll come in. I will dump some links into the description of this particular video, places that I think you can go and donate some money that will be very helpful. Um, you know, like I said, give to Mayfield.com is a direct effort, something that, that I wholeheartedly endorse. 
Um, they've been working with these community, this community of people who are already in need and they'll just grow the list of people that they're trying to help and they need money to be able to make those things happen. Um, the Lee initiative has a donation line set up, uh, the Kentucky bourbon, uh, auction that's happening. Uh, bourbon charity has a campaign going on and then, uh, something even significantly more local. The, the Mayfield Rotarians are collecting money to be able to help people rebuild homes. Um, you know, and that's sort of this, this, this weird thing where, uh, in, in Mayfield specifically, the place that was hit was a significant quantity of rental properties. And so if the owners of the rental properties didn't have significant insurance replacement insurance in place, or they just decide, Hey, I don't, I don't want to rebuild a house here. Um, because I'm just going to collect my money and move on. The people who are living there have no real option. But the Rotarians have sort of taken and, and filled this void of we're going to collect money. We're going to help everybody rebuild that wants to rebuild. Um, you know, with, with, with FEMA in town, they don't, they don't make available an opportunity to be able to gain assistance unless you can provide them with um, some means of identification right off the bat. Um, and, and one of the things that's, that's sort of unique is with these uh, migrant populations that live here, sometimes those documents were stored in a really safe place within their home, but that home has now blown away. So they may not have anything and they may not have it memorized in their brain, you know, we grow up knowing, hey, I should probably know my social security number, but I couldn't have told you what it was until I was 19 years old. Um, you know, if you moved here two years ago, you may not have that number memorized. You may not have a form of identification. If you can't provide them with something significant, just don't get a ton of help. Um, so you have to find places that will help you regardless of whether you can provide a specific piece of documentation or not. Um, and, and some of these local community um Local community funds are sort of the way to go there. Um, you know, these, these you know, school-based resources that are just helping kids. We, they don't care. They know who the kids are. They know where they were supposed to be. They know where they are now. Um, you know, the, the, the local charitable organizations that already existed, they're collecting money. They're finding ways to sort of um, fill that gap and make sure things happen and things are taken care of. So that's about all I've got for tonight. I could probably talk about this for a really long time, but it'd get uh, super depressing and possibly even lean in some directions that folks will find unappealing. Um, so thanks for joining me tonight or today or whenever you happen to catch this. I hope you found this episode to be entertaining. If you did, please leave me a review on whatever platform you have to be consuming this on. Uh, leave a comment if possible and hit me up on social media at Twitter or Instagram using embellishpod. Um, and follow me so you can keep up with what's going on or send me some suggestions on things I should do or I should stop doing. Um, I can be found at www.embellishpod.com and all of my links, accounts, contact details, it's all there. Uh, and I'll be back again in just a couple of days with uh, another new offering for you. Uh, and then again next week, I'll have some special guests joining me, a uh, podcast that I follow pretty heavily. It's called Chill Filtered. Uh, Robbie and Cole are going to join me. I'm walking them through a blind. Uh, we'll have some fun discussing what's going on there. I uh, hope you happen to join us. And if you don't, you know, so be.